is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is David. I serve on the pastoral staff, and my prayer, like every week, is that you find something meaningful, because we believe that God has something meaningful for all of us each and every day. Um, I'm going to be in the book of Luke, so if you have a Bible or Bible app, you might want to find Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to be camped out. Now, interesting thing about the book of Luke. Um, He tells three stories right at the very beginning of this biography of Jesus. Three stories. And each one of those stories is about the same thing. It's about announcement. So we have three announcement stories. Let me see if I can kind of explain this a little bit. So the first one is to a man named Zechariah, who's a priest, and his wife, Elizabeth. And the announcement is about the son that they're going to have in their um, elder years. Uh, who grows up to be John the Baptist. The next story that we come across is the announcement that Mary is going to be the mother of the Messiah. So the announcement is to Mary. The third story, announcement story, is when the angel shows up to the shepherds. So you have three announcement stories that are going on in the uh, first, I guess, opening chapters of Luke's biography of Jesus. And this final one, the, the, the announcement to the shepherds, um, is our interest today. And, and there's this movement that happens in the text. So we, we, we start with you know, somebody kind of related to Jesus. Then we're, we uh, have an announcement about Jesus himself. And then Jesus is actually born. And so Luke is moving us through, helping us understand that God is up to something big really big. And so we have these three announcements that that are going on. Now, this is a familiar passage, especially if you are a Charlie Brown fan, right? Uh, Because this is the one when he is crying out, can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus, always Linus, steps up to the plate, knocks it out of the park by reciting from heart this particular passage in the King James Version, which I'm here to tell you is not an easy thing to do. We, however, are going to read from a different version so that we could actually understand it. So, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds, whoops, excuse me, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Just in case, you know, you you didn't understand what was happening here. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. There we go. there's a lot of exciting things that are happening here. And this is the, the verse that we read every Christmas time. And uh, if you're like us, 
Uh, this is the story that we read on Christmas Eve, just before we go to bed. And there's a, uh, actually two verses that I really want to draw your attention to. <clears throat> and so I want you to think about this a little bit. And because you have um, at the cent- center of this are some shepherds. And these are, would have been quite common in and around Bethlehem. And let me see if I can explain this a little bit. So Bethlehem was, you know, roughly, uh, I, think, I think I read somewhere something like 90 miles. I don't, 90 miles might be a little bit too long. Uh, maybe it's like uh, 90 minutes from Jerusalem. It's not that far away. But Bethlehem was responsible for the sheep that were used at the, at the temple in Bethlehem for sacrifice. So there's a lot of sheep here because, you know, certain times of the year, you had to have a lot of sheep available. They had to be very specific sheep as well. And so not only do you have a lot of sheep, but you got a lot of shepherds. So this would have been a common thing around Bethlehem. And here you are with this group of shepherds. No idea how many there are. <clears throat> but it's at night because they're keeping watch of their flocks by night. So, yeah, guys working the graveyard shift. You know, working third shift out in the fields, doing their thing like they've done hundreds of other times, seeing tons of sheep that they've, you know, seen countless times as well. And then in verse 9, this angel shows up. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around him, and they were terrified. Now, one of the things that I like about the King James Version here is that it says that they were sore afraid. And when I was a kid, I thought it was they were so afraid, right? S-O. But it doesn't say that in the King James. It says sore, S-O-R-E, afraid. That means that they were scared so badly it hurt. Does that make sense? It's really, really kind of a fascinating uh, way of, of, uh, of translating that. And frankly, I think it really gets um, to the heart of where this comes from. So I'm going to show you a little bit of Greek today because it's fun to do. Um, the word for terrified here is megas phobeo phobas. Easy, fun to say, right? But here's the interesting thing. Now, I want you to notice that there's two words that kind of sound alike, Right? That's the word for fear. We get the word phobia from it, phobos. And so when you try, when you often, when you want to emphasize something in Greek, you put two, uh, uh, use the same word twice, although sometimes uh, the word has a a slightly different spelling, depending on what part of speech it is. So phobeo, phobos, is really phobia, phobia. Does this make sense? So they they were really afraid. But then on top of it, you add a modifier, megas, which is our word mega, right? It means great. So not only are they afraid, so it's like big time afraid, afraid. (laughs) Does that make sense? So yes, you can understand why they're sore afraid in this particular passage. They are seeing something they have never seen before. So this whole idea is that fear is emphasized to a great extent. And what's interesting to me uh, about this is that in this story, like all of the other announcement stories, there's a pattern. And we see it with Zechariah, we see it with Mary, we see it with the shepherds. And, and very simply, um, you can, you can kind of track this. An angel appears, there's fear, there's an announcement, and there's a sign. 
So if you go back and read through the stories, you're going to see the same pattern. In the case of Zechariah, he's serving in the temple. An angel shows up, he's afraid. An announcement is made, you're going to have a baby. And the sign that he's given is that he is struck dumb. He is not able to speak. He is mute until a particular point in time when the baby is named, eight days after his birth. Same thing happens with Mary. Mary's doing her thing. Angel shows up. Now, the text doesn't say that she was afraid, but the angel does say to her, don't be afraid. So there is a fear component here. There's an announcement. You're going to have a baby. The sign is, you're going to have a baby (laughs) before you're married, kind of a thing. And then finally, here with the shepherds, angel shows up, there's fear, an announcement, and he says, and this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Which is actually an image they would have understood. Because every single lamb that was birthed in and around Bethlehem that was destined for the temple had to be unblemished. And so the first thing that a shepherd would do, take that lamb, wrap it in claws so that the lamb could not hurt itself. They would lie it in a particular type of trough so that it was safe and they could inspect it to make sure that it was unblemished. A sign that they would understand. This shall be a sign to you. Find a baby wrapped in claws. Not a lamb, but a baby. There's all kinds of foreshadowing happening here, as you can, as you can imagine, uh, especially as we get towards the end of Luke. But there's this pattern. We have these three stories. They're all following the same kind of a format, and Luke continues to lead us forward. Then, next, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I've talked about this term, good news, um, in the past, uh, and I want to bring it up again because I think it's important. In Greek, it's called euangelion, and it's where we get the word evangelism. It's good news. Now, Luke does something truly extraordinary here. In the first case, he's borrowing or co-opting this term from Rome. This was a common Uh, a common word used for Roman proclamations. So, things like victories, things like imperial birthdays or royal celebrations all were proclaimed with euangelion, with good news. The emphasis here is on good. So this is not the same type of word that would be used for like um, uh, legal decisions or edicts, but rather hey, we're announcing something good that you can celebrate. That's where this word comes from. So he's co-opted that term from from Rome. Um, But this idea of good news also borrows from the prophet Isaiah. Remember him? He was the main prophet who told us that the Messiah would eventually come. We've been reading him off and on throughout Advent. And if you're following any type of Advent story at home, you probably read from the book of Isaiah. Um, So let let me point out just a couple of these. Here's the first one. This is Isaiah 40, verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. 
You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. That's good news. The good news that that Israel was waiting for was the coming of God himself. Then in, in chapter 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So not only is good news God coming, but that God reigns, and from here, he reigns in peace. That should bring to mind, and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, and prince of, what's the word? Peace, right? That's good news in Jewish tradition. And then finally in chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So not only is God coming good news, not only is he reigning in peace, that's good news, but he's also doing it for the outcast. And isn't it interesting that when um, Jesus announces his ministry in Luke chapter four, he chooses this passage in Isaiah 61 to inaugurate his ministry among the people. To proclaim good news to the poor and set captives free and declare a year of the Lord's favor. It's good news indeed all the way around. And then finally, in this beautiful set of verses, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy. And, and it's just fun to note that it's megas, there's that word again, uh, shara. Megas, shara. Great joy. See, Luke borrows both from the language of Rome and the fact that Jews trust in divine intervention. And in so doing, he does this astonishing thing. He invites us like he does the shepherd, to trade our fear for fear uh, for joy because of good news. We're trading in the fears that we have for joy because there's this good news. And it's not just an imperial proclamation, but it's more along the Jewish lines of God is here, and this is what we want you to understand in our announcement. So trade your fear for joy because something has happened. And that's a hopeful thing we can and we have this ability to to trade it in. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said it. We have this choice to be able to do that. But more importantly, God wants us to. God wants us to trade those fears in for joy. And so we have these three announcements in the early parts of, of Luke, Zechariah and Mary and the shepherds. And I want you to remember this. All of this occurs after four hundred years of silence. There's been no prophet in Israel to speak um, on behalf of God. This is the years of silence. And so all of a sudden, God was silent for that long. And then in these opening chapters, God spoke in a spectacular way. He's been quiet for so long because he's been gathering things together to bring the Messiah to his people. 
And, and not only did he speak then, but he continues, or he continued to speak through Jesus. And then he continues to speak to us, not only through his word, but he also speaks to us directly. If we're listening. If we're listening. And the announcements and the gift of Jesus show us the heart of God. He wants us to know him. That's what this is all about. He wants us to actually know him. And so he communicates in ways that we understand, especially when he's speaking to us individually. I think that he sent an angel to um, these first three in order to make a point, to do it with a great deal of drama. I think God sometimes does that because remember, the bigger the sign, the bigger the assignment, right? So Zechariah and Elizabeth had a pretty big assignment, raised the, the, uh, the herald of the Messiah. And of course, Mary and Joseph, uh, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, had to have a big sign to get through all the things they needed to in order to raise Jesus. And of course, these shepherds had a task as well. And their task was to basically attest to the fact that the Messiah had come. Later on in Luke, it says that the shepherds went throughout the town telling everybody what they had seen and the people were amazed. And they were amazed. But when he speaks to us individually, um, I think it, it can kind of sneak up on us. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, this happened to our family about a week ago. <clears throat> Very strange. Not happened to us before. So I had this vivid dream <clears throat> and, um, at night. And it was one of those kinds of dreams when you wake up and you're like, hmm, I don't, I'm sure that I dream most nights. I just don't remember them. How many of you have experienced that, right? Yeah. Uh, but in this case, I remembered it. I still remember it. <clears throat> and it was very short. Um, but it was one of those moments where you're like, I think God just said something and kind of been working with the Lord, trying to understand what that imagery actually was. So I was sharing this with my wife, and um, Lisa, when I'd finished, said, well, that's really interesting, I had a dream too, and then she described a dream. This has never happened to me before, that I recall, but I almost immediately knew exactly what each image was in her dream. I've never, never had, I never knew that, you know, I could interpret dreams, and I, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to do it again, but it was really cool the time that I did. And uh, as we were kind of talking about it, the lights kind of went out, and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, God kind of spoke. And as we're talking, our eldest daughter walked in, and she said, yeah, I had a dream too. Most of the time, my dreams are kind of crazy, and so I don't even, you know, think about them anymore. And as she described her dream, again, I had an understanding of what the dream meant. It was pretty cool. And as the three of us were talking about it, our youngest overheard it. She walked up and said she had a dream. And as she described her dream, first of all, there was a lot of nine and 10-year-old things going on in her dream, but there were a couple of points very specifically I felt like, yeah, God's saying this. Now, I don't tell you that story to go pat on the back, oh, look at me, nah. I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to do it again, but what I'm saying is, is that God speaks, and it reminds me in the book of Joel that 
in those days, he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and that people would see visions and they would dream dreams and, and God would speak to his people in that way. It just so happened that all four of us got a visitation in one night. And here I thought Santa Claus was cool. <laughs> this was something else. I've never experienced anything like that before. But I think it testifies to the heart of God wanting to speak to his people if we're open and we're willing to listen a little bit harder. And here's what I mean by listening. It's not that you're just listening the first time, but rather you take what you may have heard and you begin to process it, especially with other people. I had this dream. Here's what I'm thinking. And as you go back and forth, God shows up and begins to guide that conversation and reveal himself and his heart to his people. We get to do that. We have a God who wants to do that with us if we listen. And see, it, it comes down to this idea that God loves us. God loves us enough to speak to us. Not just through us, but speaks to us. And that's one of the things I, that I love about God is that it's not just that we're a conduit. We are that, but we also first receive it. We are receptors, and then we are broadcasters. So first, the shepherds received this announcement. They went and did as God asked them to do, and then they spread it around. They broadcast the things that they heard. So God speaks to us because God loves us. And so I would just in, in, encourage you you know, not just today, but throughout the rest of the season, because by the way, Christmas is right around the corner, isn't it? I think we got like 11 days, shopping days before Christmas. But during those 11 days is to try to slow yourself down just enough so that you might be able to hear what God is saying to you. Whether it's through the stories that you're reading or whether it's a conversation you're having, but to slow down and be present with each other and be be present with God so that he can speak to you. And you might be surprised at the things that he wants to say. Let's pray. God, thank you for your stories and your servants who wrote them down, who help us get to know your heart. Grateful that we get to uh, read these things every year and to, to capture just this moment in time that really shows us who you are and how much that you truly love us. Jesus, as we are, are gathered, um, whether digitally or whether physically, I'm, I know that you're here because Jesus was here. And we get to um, remember, but the remembering uh, prepares us for what you're going to do next. And so every person who's listening, whether it's online or whether it's here, I pray that you would be present with them over the holiday season in such a way that they would know that you are speaking to them and that they would hear your words of love and affirmation, and that they'd be so moved that they'd want to listen a little bit harder. 
pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.